You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before I get into my message, though, I want to just kind of recap. I've done this the past couple Sundays. I want to recap a little bit of where we've been as a church, where we're going as a church. Most of you know our story. We are meeting here at the Global Ventures building in this kind of temporary space as we're leasing this out on Sundays. We've been meeting here, and we've been uh, stewarding our money so that we can save for a future property of our own, for a future building of our own, whether that's to lease something and remodel it. Maybe it's to purchase something. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, being in Tulsa, uh, you can drive anywhere in Tulsa, and there's a church uh, all over the place, right? There's a church in every corner, it feels like. And so, uh, honestly, to be transparent, one of my prayers has been this, Lord, uh, if there's a pastor who's been praying the opposite of my prayer. We're believing for a space, but maybe there's a pastor, Lord, that has outgrown his space or her space. They're, they need uh, to get out of a lease, and they, uh, maybe there's something going on, and, uh, or maybe they're, they're you know, looking for a, a, you know, a, another pastor or something like that. Lord, if there's somebody, maybe there's a spot where we can come in and take over a church building or maybe purchase a church building. Uh, I just hate to see kingdom property go uh, to anywhere else outside of the kingdom. I hate to see a church that was built as a church and people sacrificially gave uh, towards the kingdom of God to build that building and to see it turned into something else. Uh, even if it's uh, something cool, it still breaks my heart. And so uh, you never know what God can do. But in this season, we've been saving money. We've been uh, asking and doing this giving campaign that's called God's House, Our Home. And we've been uh, asking you, hey, if God puts on your heart to give towards the house fund, and as we've been doing this, we've been seeing quite a bit of money come in. In fact, uh, just in less than a year, we have seen $67,000 come in. That's what I've kind of shown you over the past couple of weeks. In fact, you can put up that, uh, that slide right there. So we've seen 67000 come in. But I want to kind of give you an update of just in the last two and a half weeks what we've seen come in so far. And so if you will, give me a little bit of a drum roll, please. And let's reveal it so far in just two, two weeks. 70027 is our new total. Come on, somebody. Uh, that's awesome. And, and along with that, here's what's really cool. One of the things we've kind of just said is, hey, if you want to give towards this and give towards the house fund, we would encourage you find a way to say, hey, I want to, uh, we have a four-month goal to bring in $33,000 to get that 67000 up to $100,000 by the end of the year. And we've just said, hey, set up a, a recurring gift or commit to giving this much by the end of the year. And what's awesome is so far the pledges that we've some, seen come in, people that have set up recurring giving and committed, filled out one of those, uh, uh, those giving cards cards for the, the house fund, and they've turned it in. If we add up all of that, we've seen pledged just about $12,000 pledged. And so though we don't have that $12,000 in hand, it shows us that even if nobody else gives, we're easily going to meet a third of our goal already. Now, it's only been a few weeks. And so I know $33,000 raised in four months is a lot of money. And so we've, I've been showing you this big faith estimator that we have here. You can put that chart up next. And uh, on this chart, it just shows us how can we practically get to this, this place. And basically, up here we've laid out, there's some different levels. If so many people, if, you know, uh, 10 people say, I can give $500 over the next four months, um, that's going to help us get towards our goal of 33000 And if you want, you know, to look at that and kind of analyze it or pray about it, we do have those giving cards in the seat back in front of you that you can look at and say, 
Lord, where, where do we need to fall into this? Where do we, where, maybe you're in between places or maybe you're in between levels or whatever it might be. But I would encourage you, if you haven't yet, take one of those cards home, pray about it, see what God would have you do. And that's what I've been asking this whole time is two things. We see this in scripture. Pray about what God uh, would have you give. What, what's God asking you to give? Second Corinthians 9 says, each should give what you have decided in your heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the second thing I've said is this, if your heart is for the future of this church, if this is your church, give because your heart is here. Your heart is for this church. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if you believe in the future of this church, I would encourage you, pray about what God would have you give. Be a part of what God is doing and is going to do in the future of our church. The other thing I would say is this, maybe you, uh, maybe you, you're in a tight spot financially, but maybe you know someone, maybe you know a business owner, maybe you know somebody in your life that, um, a, a business owner, a leader, someone that doesn't even go to our church and you think they might be interested in giving towards this thing. We're coming up to the end of the year, maybe they're looking for a, you know, a tax write-off, whatever it might be, but you think, man, they have a heart for the local church. They might be interested in helping. Maybe it's not even financially, but maybe it's through uh, labor or work or things like that or materials, whatever it might be. I would pray about, and I would ask you to pray about having a conversation with them. Be the hands and the feet for us out there in the community. Maybe there's somebody. In the past year, we've had several different business owners do this. A couple business owners that own uh, their own, uh, you know, elect electrical company and have a, a bunch of electricians. They have offered to do a lot of the work uh, just for cost, not not including their labor, anything like that, which is huge. I had another business owner who just wrote us a check for five grand and said, hey, I believe in what you're doing. Never attended our church, but said, hey, I believe what God's doing in Abide. And so I just want to be a part. And so just hand us a check for five grand, which goes immediately into the house fund. And so you never know uh, somebody's response until you ask, right? You have not because you ask not. And so so pray about that as well. You never know uh, what God would have you do. But like I said, if you haven't and you're still kind of on the fence, I don't know what to give. I don't know if I'm supposed to give. I would encourage you in the seat back in front of you, you can grab one of those cards, take it home, or you can fill it out today. And as you leave today, there's a drop box that you can drop it in. But obviously there's all the different ways. They're on our giving envelopes as well. All the different ways that you can give. Um, if you want to give to the house fund though, just be sure to and note that there's a spot where you can select which fund. It can go to the house fund. That way it goes to a totally separate spot so we can keep everything nice and in order behind the scenes. And so uh, it makes it really, really easy. Let me take a moment though. And let me pray over our giving, pray over our church. And then we're going to hop into today's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you uh, for this church. I thank you for this body that you've brought together, this place uh, right here at this time, this group of people. And Lord, I thank you that uh, our best days are our next days. It's right in front of us. Lord, I thank you that you are doing something in our church, something exciting. You're moving in our church. And so Lord, we wanna do everything we can to partner with what you have and want for our church. And so Lord, I pray that as so many in this room, so many of our church family that aren't here even, Lord, as they have partnered and, and committed to giving, to the house fund. Lord, I pray that your blessing and your favor would be poured out, not just on our church, but as in our families as well, in our, as individuals as well, Lord, that everywhere we go, we are blessed. And Lord, I thank you that your word is true, that you love a cheerful giver. And I pray that you would help us have joy, help us be cheerful as we walk in obedience to whatever you put on our heart. We thank you for it, Lord. We're in such anticipation for the future and what you have for us. We're just expecting great things uh, as we walk in obedience to you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as I said a little bit earlier, if you have uh, one of those note-taking cards, go ahead and 
get that out. Uh, make sure you got a fresh pen because I got a lot that I'm going to cover. If you brought your Bible today, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to be, 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, we're continuing in a series called The School of the Spirit. And we've been talking all about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about um, who he is, uh, what's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, how does he work in our life. And our goal with this is that each week we're going to ask a big question and then we're going to answer it. And so what are some of the big questions that people have about the Holy Spirit? Last week we talked about who is the Holy, or what's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about what are the gifts of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? If you've been in church, if you've read your Bible, you've probably heard about the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to talk about it. What are they? How do they apply in our life? Is that just for, uh, you know, pastors and church staff or is it for everybody? How does this thing work? And so we're going to talk about it today. What are the gifts of the Spirit? So I have a lot of content. And so again, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again this week. This is probably a message that you want to listen to a couple times. So if you're sitting in here, take good notes, but I would encourage you on our YouTube, we have all of our messages there on our podcast. All of our messages are on there. Um, listen back to these. If you know somebody that's not here and you say, man, this would really help them in certain areas of their life, man, share the link with them. You never know what God can do with uh, just sharing a link to a message video. But for today, get ready to take some good notes because I'm going to go quick here and I got a lot to cover. So here we go. First Corinthians 12, starting in verse one, it says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Basically what's Paul saying? He's saying, look, I want you to be in the know with what God has for you, with all that God has for you. I don't want, to, I don't want you to uh, be doing things in the name of the Holy Spirit that aren't really the way that God has designed for this. And maybe you've been in a situation where you've seen somebody do something, say something in the name of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, and, and maybe, maybe somebody prophesied over you at one time and just in your heart, you're just like, man, it just doesn't, something doesn't feel right with that. Something doesn't sit right with my spirit. This is why Paul gives us some clarity because not everything that's done in the name of the Holy Spirit or in the name of God is from God. And we need to understand that. And I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. How do we have some checks and balances to make sure that what I'm receiving or what I'm saying to someone is actually from God and not just some pizza that I ate, you know, 12 hours ago, right? How do I know it's not just some chemical imbalance that I'm feeling? No, it's, is it from God or is it not? So we're going to talk about this. This is what, this is what Paul's saying. I, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be in the know of what's happening. That, that phrase, spiritual gifts, it is translated as pneumatics. Pneumatics, you can put up that definition. It means empowered by a breath of wind. Empowered by a breath of wind. This is exactly the, what the gifts of the Spirit are. It is empowered. What do we say? The, the word Spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, sometimes Holy Ghost, we may see it. That word was so tough to translate in the original language, and so many times they didn't know how to translate it. So it was ghost or spirit, but it could also be translated, maybe even more accurately, as a, a, a force of air. The breath of God is how we could see it. And so when we see uh, pneumatics empowered by the breath of, of, or breath of wind, this is exactly a perfect definition of, of, of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you not overpower you. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you, not overpower you. He's not going to come in and you're going to be walking through, uh, you know, Walmart and man, you feel the Holy Spirit come upon you and you grab the, you know, the intercom and start speaking in tongues. And it's just, you know, for everybody to hear, I was just out of control. I had no control over it. That's not how it's going to work. He wants to empower you, not overpower you. And we're going to see this in scripture, empower you, not overpower you. The other thing that we get hung up on is we think, well, some people have the gifts of the Spirit and other people don't. 
But here's what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Everybody say each one. So I'm going to say like you mean each one for the profit of all. Each one for the profit of all. Spiritual gifts display the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. And they're given to every believer for the common good of all. So it's for each. It's for everybody. It's for every believer to operate in these gifts. Let me read them to you. There's nine of them. So I'm going to go through them and then we're going to break them down. First Corinthians 12, go to down to verse eight. It says this, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, there it is again, each one individually as he wills. So these nine gifts are the gifts that the Holy Spirit has. So common sense tells us this. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We talked about that last week. If you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have been immersed into the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not just on the inside of you. He's all around you. You've been in him now. It's like that river we talked about last week. He's going to move you wherever he wants you to go. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to not just one or two of his gifts. You have access to all of his gifts. You have access to all of his gifts. Many times, though, Christians will single out one gift in their life more than the other. And if we're not careful, that becomes our identity. And so somebody will say, well, I'm, I, I operate in the gift of prophecy. I'm a prophet. And they will neglect any other gift in their life. And so many times that kind of marginalized everyone else because we say, well, I don't operate in that gift. And I don't know what my gift is. Rather than approaching it like this and thinking the Holy Spirit will give us whatever is needed to minister effectively for the situation. Now, I may operate in one gift more than the other, but I have access to every gift. I have access to every gift if I need it. And I can tell you this, as a pastor, I'm so thankful for that. I'm incredibly thankful for that. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a meeting, a counseling session, a phone call that I got, a hospital room, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what to say or what to do. I, I, Lord, <laughs> I need you. Holy Spirit, my helper, I need you to give me something to say. How do I, how do I help this family? How do, how do I pray over this situation? And the Holy Spirit will give me one of the gifts of the Spirit, whether it's faith or maybe it's prophecy or a, a word for someone. And I can speak in confidence knowing this ain't for me because <laughs> I, I didn't come up with this, but the Holy Spirit is giving me something to give to you. I can be a channel for that person, but he's going to give me whatever I need in the moment in the moment. A great example of this is looking at the gifts of the Spirit as if they're tools. My dad, uh, he's an incredible finished carpenter, and I mean, he can, he, he makes things look beautiful, okay? He does things with excellence, like excellence, uh, amazing, amazing. And so growing up, uh, there were several times we would, we would go to work with that, or maybe, I mean, even recently go to work and uh, help with a project or something like that. And I can't tell you how many times my dad would, has said this phrase to me, hey, will you run out to my truck and grab this tool for me. <laughs> Fill in the blank, whatever it is. Run to my truck really quick and grab this for me. Grab these screws for me. Grab that tool for me, that drill, that, whatever it might be. And I, I mean, I've heard that so many times. 
And I think that's probably a really good picture of what the, the gifts of the Spirit are. They're tools, and they're accessible if, and we'll see this in just a little bit, if I'm willing to go get them. If I'm willing to go get them. And that's what Paul is saying when he's writing this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. He's giving these instructions because he's saying, pursue love, but you need to have a, but you need to have a desire for spiritual gifts. You need to go get them and, and, and pursue them until you obtain it. And so I, when we look at these, I want you to think of them not as, well, which one is mine? No, I want you to think, how has God maybe used this in my life in the past? But more importantly, maybe, how can I, use, how can I be obedient in a way where God can use these in the future? So here's what I've done. I've done, uh, many pastors have done this, so uh, not, not just me. But there's kind of three categories of gifts. There's nine gifts, but one of the best ways that I've kind of learned them, and I've heard other pastors talk about them, and I thought this was really good, is breaking them down into three different categories. And so category number one, if you're taking notes, is this. There's discerning gifts. There's three gifts in each category. The discerning gifts. Discerning gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it says, For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Stop here. Wisdom and knowledge, they sound the same. Sometimes we can think of them, we could read this list and be like, what's the difference, right? They're kind of the same thing. They're very different though. Knowledge has to do with the accumulation of facts. I gained knowledge through school. I've gained knowledge about God through church attendance my entire life. I've gained knowledge. Wisdom has to do with the future. Wisdom has to do with what's coming or what's, what, am I, what decision am I going to make. It has to do with the future. So here's, here's an example. Knowledge says that black animal with the white stripe is a skunk, right? I learned that in elementary school, right? I've been to the, I've been to the zoo. I've seen the, 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 the billboards. I've seen, I know what a skunk looks like. That's knowledge. Wisdom says, do not go pet that animal because it's going to spray me and I'm going to stink, right? For a week. That's wisdom, Knowledge, I knew what it was. Wisdom says, do not go do that or go do that. Whatever it might be, wisdom is totally different. It has to do with what could happen in the future. So let's break this down. Word of wisdom, that's the first one. Word of wisdom, I'll put it, I'm gonna put up some different definitions. And like I said, you're not gonna have room to write all these down, but this is gonna help you just kind of see as I'm talking about them. So word of wisdom is this. It's a supernatural utterance disclosing the mind, purpose, and the will of God. So it's when I can, God might give me a word of wisdom for somebody and I am able to speak on behalf of God in a way that gives them insight into what decision they should make. Uh, it delivers an answer to maybe a pressing need, to a question, to a situation. It provides insight into the future. It's a supernatural wisdom for the future. Now let's look at what a word of knowledge is. A word of knowledge is the ability to supernaturally know facts and details that would not be known in the natural. I'm able to know something about maybe your life or whatever that I wouldn't know naturally. This happens many times. In fact, just a, maybe a few months ago, I was praying for a lady over the phone. And as I was praying, I just felt uh, it was for a, a, you know, a surgery and some uh, sickness she was going through. And as I was praying for her, I just felt the need to pray for something specific, a specific uh, part on her body and organ that I was just like, man, I just feel like I need to pray. So I just began to pray. And I began to pray about that. And uh, she said, you know, I didn't ask you to pray about that, but I've been having pain in that area for weeks. And she said, when you were praying about that, it was just like the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. Like he knew, he knew 
what I was going through, and you didn't know that. And I said, yeah, I had no idea you, had, you were having issues with that. But what was that? It was a word of knowledge. It was something that I didn't learn, but I just knew. I didn't learn it from her. She didn't tell me that, but I knew it in my heart. Like, I need to pray for this specific thing. And the Holy Spirit will tell you something that you wouldn't know unless he revealed it to you. Unless he revealed it to you. Here's the, the last one. The third one is this, the discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. This is a supernatural ability to discern whether things, events, or people are from God or are demonic in origin. We need to understand that we do not live in a spiritually neutral world. We don't. There's a battle taking place. The spiritual realm created this realm. So which one's the more real realm, the spiritual? It is the one that created this place, that created us. There's a lot more going on in the spiritual realm than I think sometimes we give credit to. Not that we're trying to praise an enemy, a spiritual enemy, the devil, whatever it might be, but I'm saying when we have spiritual insight, we know how to pray. In fact, that's kind of one of the translations means to see through. Discerning means to see through, meaning you can look at it like spiritual x-ray vision. Lord, I'm facing this thing. What's really going on? Is this just something in the naturals or something going on behind the scenes? Great example of this. Uh, several years ago, there was a person in our church that came and was a part of our church for a little while. And uh, it just felt like every time I would get off stage, I couldn't even leave the auditorium without them cornering me. And they had something to say or a response to my message or um, a word or a warning from God and whatever it might be. And at first, you know, I, hey, you know, if somebody says they got something from God they need to give me, well, I'm open to hear it, right? Because I have a relationship with God. However, the longer this went on, the more I began to realize something in my spirit doesn't sit right. Something's not right. And I didn't know what it was. During this time, I was going through a lot of health issues and uh, had to stay in the hospital, had a lot of stuff that I was dealing with and just mentally, mental health and a lot of other things I've never dealt with before, but it came on extremely strong. And I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, what, what's going on here? And God revealed to me through, it's a long story, but through several conversations that I had with this person that I realized that they were dealing with during the week, they were interacting with um, spiritual beings, demonic beings at their home, thinking that it, they were interacting with angels or God and they were coming to church and the overflow of that weird connection was being brought into our church. And every time I would get a, a word from them or they would talk to me, I would leave and it would just feel heavy. And I would just think, man, what is that? It doesn't feel like, what's going on here? I was praying about it and, and God revealed it to me. He said, that's not for me. That heaviness, that's not for me. That, those conversations, that word that they said was for me, that's not for me. And God brought this such clarity. And I was having a conversation with this person and they were telling me about this instance where, uh, you know, a principality is what they said, came into their room one night and they were interacting with it almost. And I was just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and so what I did is I, I did how I, I, we should respond in two, in two ways. Spiritually, I prayed about it and I prayed for them. But then I also responded naturally, meaning I put up some barriers and some boundaries. And I put up and I said, look, when I walk off stage, you're not going to hijack my time for 30 minutes every Sunday where I don't even get a chance to talk to anyone else in our congregation. That's not how it's going to work. 
And I began to put up boundaries, and I was respectful, and I was loving in doing it, and I just said, look, that's not how it's going to work here. You're not going to hijack my time and steal uh, my time to minister to other people. Obviously, if there's an emergency with somebody, I'm going to take time. But I'm just saying, look, for this instance, I had to put up some boundaries. Well, once you know, with people like that, when you start to say no several times, eventually, they don't want to be a part. (laughs) Well, if you're not going to let me do what I want to do, then I'm out. And it's amazing, once they finally left our church, there was this, this weight lifted from my life. And it was one of those things where I needed the discerning of spirits, this gift, because I thought I was just dealing with something naturally in my body. Man, something's going on, something ain't right. But God revealed to me, no, there is a spiritual war taking place. And when you allow somebody like that to get close to you, the heaviness of uh, that spiritual being that they're interacting with can come upon you and you can feel the oppression of it. And so I had to pray for freedom from it. And it took a while to get some freedom from it, but we did. And this is why in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I need spiritual x-ray vision because sometimes what I'm facing in my life is not just a natural circumstance or whoops, I don't know what's going on here. I just have the worst luck. Sometimes I need to pray and I need to uproot it at the root. Sometimes we, we focus on the fruit of it in our life. It's showing up in my life in this weird way. Uh, you know, I can't get this job or man, this relationship thing isn't working out for me, whatever it is. And we focus on the, what we can see in the natural when spiritually, if I pray about it, there might be something in the spiritual realm that I need to get into and I need to pull up by the root. It's just like if you got a, a weed growing in your flower bed. Well, if I don't get the root, if I go and I, I just cut off the weed, what's going to happen? It's going to grow back. And each time it grows back, it's going to keep getting more roots and it's getting rooted in there. It's going to get bigger and stronger every single time unless I pray and unless I get in there, right, in my, in my spiritual flower bed and I uproot that thing and say, you don't get to have root in my life. We have to have spiritual x-ray vision to know sometimes I'm not just facing something in the natural. Sometimes I'm facing something in the spiritual that can only be dealt with in the spiritual. Does that make sense? Number two is this, declarative gifts. Declarative gifts. I'm going to try to share as many stories as I can with this to kind of give some examples. So declarative gifts. Declarative also could be proclaiming gifts. You could also call them the proclaiming gifts. Uh, The first one is this, prophecy. Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God to a person. Message of encouragement from God to a person. This is speaking on behalf of God. Here's what's interesting. Prophecy is not correction, rebuke, or judgment according to the New Testament. So it's a little different because you'll read the Old Testament and you'll see, well, God used the judges... And, and prophecy with the judges to correct and to get, keep people on track and to put people on track, he did. But in the New Testament, prophecy is actually for encouragement. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification, that's building up, exhortation, and comfort to men. See how clear it is? Prophecy, if someone's got a, a prophecy for me and they give it to me, and they're telling me, and it's gloom and doom, and it's like, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, going to die tomorrow, whatever it might be, and I leave and I feel heavy, that's not from God. I'm going to pastor you here and say, that's not from God, because that's not what we see. Did it edify? Did it bring exhortation? Did it put comfort in me? Did it put courage in me, or did it take it out of me? That's how I know if it's prophecy or not. Um, it's for encouragement, not discouragement. 
Um, if it takes courage out of you, it is not from God. And we'll say, a lot of people will say, well, I'm not a prophet, right? I can't prophesy to somebody. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to operate in that. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31 says, for you can all, everybody say all, you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. There it is again, encouraged by the prophecy. Well, I'm not a prophet. That doesn't mean that there won't be a time in your life that God needs you to speak a word from him through you to someone in need. Not to discourage them or critique them, but to encourage them is what we see in scripture. And through this gift, God wants to give you words of prophecy that you can give to others, people, other people that will encourage them and, and encourage them to do what God's asking them to do. Now, here's some guidelines with this. I learned this from my pastor and uh, he learned this uh, by trial and error because he missed it several times and he was honest with me. And he said this, if you got a word for somebody, a prophecy, if you like for somebody, he said, you can give it to them. He said, well, there's a few things. First is this, you're never gonna have the full word before you start talking, okay? God's not gonna print off on your uh, printer at home, what he needs you to say to somebody so you can read it. That's not how it's going to work, okay? It's by faith that I operate in this. So for me, every time I've had to, I knew I had a word for somebody, I've had to start talking and the words would come to me as I spoke. It was never, oh, I got, I got it all right here. I got a word for you. No, I knew something was there, but it took the faith to say, Lord, I will be a mouthpiece. And then he opened the channel. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. When I'm done speaking, I ask, does that ring true with your spirit? With the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, does he confirm that or deny it? And here's what that does. It keeps me in check. Because if I know I'm going to ask that question, I'm not just going to be walking around saying, well, God said this, God told me to tell you this, and God told me to tell you this without any checks and balances. Because what happens is I can say, does that ring true with you? Does, that, does the Holy Spirit confirm that in your heart? Yes. And if it's no... I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to say, you know what? Okay. I'm going to go back. I'm going to continue praying. I'm going to seek God. Maybe I missed it. Or maybe they weren't ready to receive it, whatever it is. But it's going to keep me in check. And I would say this. If you have somebody in your life that likes to prophesy over you, uh, it's okay for you to respond and say, hey, that rings true with my spirit. Or, hmm, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel quite right. That, I don't, that doesn't ring true with what the Holy Spirit's showing me in my, my spirit. And guess what? If you have somebody in your life that's prophesying over you and, uh, and you say that, what's it going to do? It's going to help them find a healthy balance as well so everybody can grow together. You see, sometimes uh, if we're not in check, if we're not willing to put our pride aside and realize the only reason I get to prophesy is because God wants to work through me. It's not because I am some great prophet. No, that's a humbling thing. To be the mouthpiece of God is a humbling thing. So it keeps me in check to say, Lord, this word is not, it's not about me. It's only about what you have to say to your people, to your kids through this. And so here's what it does. It, it puts comfort to people under duress. It brings encouragement to people's hearts and it redirects their attention to God. That's what prophecy does. And so don't be afraid. If you feel like you need to say something to somebody, pull them aside, do it in an appropriate way. But I would say this, ask them to confirm it or not. It's gonna help you grow. and It's gonna help you identify the voice of God better each time you do it. The, the next one is this, different kinds of tongues different kinds of tongues. This is praying in a heavenly language. When someone, and the last two are paired, they can never be without one another. They're paired. When someone is empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver a specific message in tongues that's outside of our understanding from the heart of God to an individual or an assembled group. Okay, this is a public message from God giving, given in a heavenly language, in tongues. 
and it's to be interpreted for the spiritual edification of the church. If someone gets up and they speak in tongues in the microphone, but nobody interprets, it's not done biblically. It's not done biblically, and I'll show you that here in just a second. And I would say, too, if someone gets up and they don't check before they give their word, does somebody have an, inter an interpretation? Because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal, hey, I have, I have a, a tongue to give, but the Holy Spirit will in, uh, reveal to somebody else that they have the interpretation even before they've given the tongue. So now we know we have, we have both. We're ready then to operate in these gifts. So they have the different kinds of tongues. They get up and they, and they give it. And then the interpretation is this. When someone is empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the message which was given in tongues and interpret it for the edification of others. So this is important to know. It's not the translation of tongues. It's the interpretation of tongues. It's the interpretation. It's the Holy Spirit in interpreting rather than a word-for-word -word translation because sometimes what, how I've experienced is this. Somebody may have a word to give in tongues and it seems really short, but the interpretation is really long. Don't be confused by that. It's not, it's not a word-for-word -word translation. It's an interpretation. And this language is outside of our understanding. It can be the opposite. Sometimes you feel like somebody's spoken tongues for a long time, but the, the word that we received was short. That's okay. It's an interpretation, not a word-for-word -word translation. So let me show you this in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren? When you, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Stop right there. Here's a reminder. If you leave and you feel discouraged, if you leave and you're super confused because nobody explained it or, or uh, didn't operate it right, don't get hung up on that. Not everything that's done in the name of God is done because God initiated it. It should be for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So here's what he's saying. Look, you may be in your small group. You may be with a group of people. You may be at a prayer meeting and somebody says, hey, I feel like I, I, feel like I need to give a word in tongue. And somebody says, hey, I think I feel like I have the, trans, the, the interpretation of it. And, and so you begin. What he's saying is this. It shouldn't just be a domino effect. All right, now the next person, you give your word. Now the next person, you speak in tongue. Now the next person, you speak in your tongue. It's not that. It's how God puts it on your heart because he's acknowledging the fact that if we do two, three, or more than three, People will leave confused, not edified. And he said, that's not how the church is supposed to operate. Now, there will be a time, and I'm going to talk more detail about how do we pray in the Spirit next week, more specifically about the, the grace of it, not the gift of it, but the grace of it to do it in your own personal private life. But the gift of it is for public use, for the group to hear it and then to, be, to hear it and, and, uh, and have it interpreted through somebody that is a believer that is listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. But here's the other thing is this. I've had people come into our church and say they had a word that they needed to give. And uh, I'll tell you this thing, pa pastoring, uh, sometimes it can be interesting, okay? Because you deal with some interesting characters sometimes. I've had people come in, they've never been to our church before, but God's given them a word for my church. And, and so I always respond. I always have a few things that I ask first. I say, hey, will you write it down for me? And if, they weren't, if they're not willing to write it down and give it to me, then it's not from God. Because what they wanted was the microphone. <laughs> they wanted to hijack the service. Now, the other thing is that they say this, I don't want to write it down, but I'll tell you, love it. Tell me, 
so I can hear it. And if it rings true with my spirit, since I'm responsible, I have to answer to Jesus, the head of the church someday for this church and what happened on this stage, if it rings true with my spirit, then we can take it to the next level and you, I'll, I'll allow you to give it. But you see, a lot of people, a lot of people like that aren't used to people saying, hold on, <laughs> let me hear it. They're not used to a, a, a shepherd shepherding and protecting. And so there'll be times where this happens, and what, what happens is some, some people will say, well, I have a gift to give, I have a word in tongues that I need to give, but I don't have an interpretation. And so, and what they don't like, that part of the verses that they don't like, a lot of people that operate in this, sometimes they don't like this, is let him keep silent in the church. It doesn't mean you can't pray or give that word, but it's not for public use. You can do it quietly at your seat to yourself and to God. You see how when we just read the Bible, it just gives us such clarity, right? But oftentimes we, read, we, we see these gifts and we've been in a church service where things got out of control and then it becomes the norm. And then we're chasing a feeling, not the truth of what God has for us. But one thing we have to realize is that the Holy Spirit operates in order, not in chaos. He can do his best work when things are in order. And this is what we're gonna see. I'm gonna show you more of that next week. But when things are in order and we're prepared for him, not that we box him out. No, we give him, we, we allow him to do what he wants to do, but not in chaos. We do it in a way that will edify people, bring clarity to their life and point people to Jesus, not leave people confused, discouraged when they leave here because that is not how the gifts of the spirit are supposed to operate. Number three is this, dynamic, the dynamic gifts. And I'll wrap up here. <laughs> dynamic gifts. This word gets fun, y'all. First one is this, the gift of faith. It's a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation, for a specific situation. I've operated in this gift many times when leading this church, when starting this church, when we started this church and it was, you know, we didn't have, a, there was no guarantee of a paycheck. We didn't have people that were willing to tithe and, and give. And we didn't have, not that they weren't willing, they just weren't the people to do it, you know? And it's just like, Lord, we're believing you. We feel called to do this. And so we're gonna take a step of faith. There's gonna be seasons in your life where you're empowered to believe the impossible is doable in order to accomplish what only can be done supernaturally. And that's important because the things God commands us to do aren't meant to be accomplished in our own ability. What God commands us to do aren't meant to be accomplished in your own ability. If it was, who would get the glory? You would. Look how hard I worked. Look at what I did. And you should work hard, but in agreement with what God wants to do. And God will add supernatural power to your hard work where the impossible is made possible and he gets the glory, not you. So we have this gift of faith so we can accomplish what God asked us to do in a supernatural way. I don't know why, but I have the faith to take a step. I have a faith to write that book. I have a faith to start that business. I have a faith to, uh, you know, ask that person out, whatever it might be. I don't know what it is, but for you, there's gonna be a time where you say, man, I had the boldness to do something. That's the gift of faith. Next is the gift of healings. The gift of healings are supernatural enablements given to believers. Sorry, I missed the four. Believers for various kinds of healing and restoration for various kinds of healing and restoration. God literally uses his children to bring healing to other people. That's what it is. These signs will follow those that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Acts 3, Peter encounters the lame man. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. I have the Holy Spirit, so I have the gifts of the Spirit, so I'm gonna pray for you and you're gonna receive healing in the name of Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you something, God is still in the healing business today, y'all. It hasn't passed away. He's still in the healing business today. Healing is a gift the Holy Spirit gives. And so if you have the Holy Spirit, you can receive healing and you can minister healing on God's behalf. What I love is that healings is plural. 
it's not a singular thing. It's not a, well, I mean, I operated in the gift of healing one time and you know, I prayed for them and they received healing. So I already gave them my gift of healing. That's not it. It's healings. It's continual. God wants to continually use you. Psalm 103 verses two says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. Many times we believe God can forgive my sin. That's what brought me to salvation. But then we, in the same verse, we don't have the faith for the second part. God wants to heal all my diseases. And you may say, Pastor Dan, I pray for somebody. They didn't get healed. Me too. Pastor, I pray for a lot of people that didn't get healed. Me too. But I refuse to let my circumstances shape my faith. God's word shapes my faith. And here's hear my heart in this. I would rather pray for a thousand sick people and one person get healed than pray for no one because I didn't have the faith and no one get healed. I would rather pray for a thousand and not just get discouraged because it didn't happen or something didn't work the way I thought it would work. Lord, I'm just gonna be obedient. You said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so Lord, I'm just gonna pray and I'm gonna believe that my faith is, it may be a mustard seed, but that's all that you need. And so I'm just gonna believe that you're gonna heal and you're gonna work and you're gonna, you're gonna bring restoration where you need to. And I don't even know all the details, but Lord, would you just use me? He's just looking for people that are willing to pray. Just this past week, somebody in our church, we've been praying for her aunt for a while. She had cancer, had past tense, gave it away, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> she had cancer. She got some tests done just a few weeks ago. They were talking about hospice. She was in incredible pain. All of her numbers and her blood work were awful, awful. Like it was looking bad. She went in to have some tests done this past week and initial numbers came back and they looked really good. So they went out to lunch and they were celebrating. Hey, we got good numbers, we still got a lot of work to do. Just a few hours later, they get a phone call. The doctor says, I don't know what happened, but there's no cancer in your body. Praise God. Yeah, you can cheer for that. He said, I don't know what happened. Guess what we do? <laughs> We've been praying for months. He didn't know that. We know exactly what happened. God moved in her life. It was a death sentence. We're talking a hospice. We are approaching the end in the natural but we're not done fighting just because we prayed once. We haven't seen it happen. Can I tell you, we, got, we need to have some longevity in our prayers. Are we willing to stand the test of time? There's things in my life and for Leslie and I, man, we've been believing for, for going on eight years. I ain't stopping. I refuse to stop. Why? Circumstances don't shape my faith. God's word does. And he says, I have the gift of healings to receive and to minister. I can get on board with that. Last one is this, working of miracles. It's a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. A divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. In the life of Jesus, what do we see? Him walk on water, he's calming storms. What is that? That's miracles, right? That's, <laughs> that's wild. Oh, it, over, it overrules nature's laws. A divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. When I was growing up, I was pretty young. I just... I remember this story uh, this past week and I talked to my mom about it today, see if she remembered and she did. We were driving, my mom and I were driving, we were driving out to Inola on 412 on the highway there. And as we were driving, we were driving in our van 
and um, we had an issue with our tire. It wasn't going flat just yet, but we knew there was something not right. It was making a lot of noise, had a bulge or something in it. And so we knew, hey, we need to pull over. And so we pulled over and we're, we're there and, and it's busy. I mean, it's, everybody's going home. And so there's a ton of traffic out there on 412 and we're on the side of the road and it's just, it's crazy busy, but we have this tire, we can't go anywhere. And um, you know, I was, I was too young to know how to change a tire. And so waiting for my dad to get there and things. And, and eventually it was like, look, we're gonna go get off the side of the road. We're gonna drive about two miles down the road. There's a gas station. If we can just get there, we can at least park in a safe place to get the tire changed and things like that. And I remember this so crazy. We, we, we got back on the highway and we couldn't go full speed because it was making so much noise and it was bouncing around. We got back on the highway and all I, the only way I can explain it is that before we knew it, we were at the gas station turning off 412 into the gas station. And when we pulled in, soon as we pulled into the gas station and we parked, boom, the tire went flat, blew out. And I remember a little bit after that, as we began to talk about the situation, my mom and I, we looked at each other and we had the same reaction. I, I don't know, I don't remember the two miles between when we got up to speed and when we exited. And you can call me crazy or whatever you want, but I'm telling you, this is my experience. God moved time and space is all I can explain it. And he fast forwarded or lifted us supernaturally from this point to that point because he knew our tire was about to go out on a busy highway where it could have been deadly for us. It was a miracle. And I think sometimes that happens in our lives and we don't give God credit because we don't realize it. Like it took us a second to be like, what? just happened. It wasn't like we went turbo speed, light speed, and it wasn't like that. But it was just like, I don't remember. I don't remember. And she doesn't remember those two miles, that, those two miles stretch on the highway. We were moved from one place to, from, from death and danger to safety. Only by the hand of God. That's the working of miracles. God wants to do things in our life and he wants to use us to do things, to pray against deadly storms, to do things, to pray against things in the natural that he wants to go and he wants to use, do miracles to help. First Corinthians 14.1 says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. That word desire in the original Greek means to be fervently boiling with zealousness. It, it depicts an intense desire that causes one to seek something until it's obtained. This should be our desire. We shouldn't run from spiritual gifts. He says, pursue love. What's that? Pursue God. He's love and desire spiritual gifts. Why? They're gifts, right? I desire gifts for my birthday and for Christmas. I love it. These are gifts from God to help you in this life, to help you in any situation that you need or you walk into, and he's gonna use you to minister to people or to minister to you personally. He has gifts for you, the discerning gifts, declarative gifts, dynamic gifts. These gifts are for each and every one of us, not just pastors and church staff. These spiritual gifts, hear me in this though, are not badges of honor. They're not to be earned. They're not to be earned. It's not the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts, right? I got my, I got my patch, that's not it. It's not to be earned. Having these gifts in our lives, it does not make me better than others. Hear my heart in this. It does not make me better than others. If anything, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he makes me better than me. Even better, he makes me more like Jesus. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit 
and his gifts in my life. And so we have these gifts, not to elevate ourselves above others and say, look at how great we are. Look at what a great prophet I am. No, no, we have these gifts so that we can lower ourselves to serve other people. Why? Because that's Jesus. Jesus operated in all of these gifts. He operated in these gifts to serve others well. So let's be a church that desires, we pursue love, but we desire spiritual gifts, not just in our church, but in our lives as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is so clear. It's so um, powerful, Lord. Thank you that you have good things for us, that you've provided gifts for us so that we can live and have spiritual success here on this earth, even before we get to heaven and, and, and fully in your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that today that your word would bring clarity. Lord, I pray that as we go and as we dwell on this, as we meditate on your word, Lord, I pray that you would bring continued clarity. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us help, give us boldness, give us, um, operate with our faith, Lord, to walk in the gifts of the spirit boldly. And Lord, I pray that you would just begin to move mightily through the gifts of the spirit, not just in our church, but in our lives personally, in our families personally, God. And through all of it, we're gonna give you glory. Say, look what God's doing. Look at how God's moving in our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.